I also surpassed actually 10,000 units at that time. Uh, I think I'm up to 13,000 now. And what I began to realize is these numbers just, they meant nothing to me anymore. It's just some arbitrary number. I have and have had enough wealth to be financially free for a decade. And it just had become a numbers game and it ceased to be meaningful to me. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. We got matching hats, too. We got matching hats. We got matching hats. Brian and Brian on the podcast. Brian L and Brian M. Mr. Murray, how are you, my friend? Doing good. Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, man. It has been a hell of a journey watching your progression from afar over the last couple of years. I was first introduced to you, and I think we met briefly in passing at a couple of in-person mastermind events or some stuff like that. But I was introduced to you first as the corporate guy, then as the multifamily guy, then as the guy that hiked Everest, then as the guy with the long hair that's an ultra marathon runner. We got a multidimensional cat here. So how would you describe yourself? So if you're introducing yourself, let's do two intros. If you're introducing yourself two, two, three years ago, how would you introduce yourself? And now, how do you introduce yourself today? Yeah, I, there's a lot of different kind of directions I've taken, that's for sure. And so I've gone through a lot of iterations. And probably two, three years ago, I would be hardcore on the real estate. Real estate investing is what most people know me for. I've done pretty well in, in that career. and But over the last couple of years, I've really transitioned. I really recognize that Hey, there's a lot more to life and a lot of things that maybe we don't know how much time we have. And I want to, I have a lot of things I want to do besides just real estate. And you now I've shifted my focus and, and I focus more on, on my writing and different other areas of my life that are much higher priority for me right now. Yeah. And for people that are unaware of Brian Murray here, he was the author of Crushing It in Multifamily Apartments and Real Estate. So you're a bigger pockets author. You got over 8,000 doors under management. Man, you co-founded Open Door Capital with Brandon Turner. You are his key principal. You're still serving as on the advisory board for Open Door Capital. So you've been behind the scenes and you've been a really strong voice in multifamily investing over the last five to 10 years. And so now I'm curious, with all this material success, you have a lot of people that are listening to this podcast and they're saying, I'm looking to get into multifamily XYZ, laundromats, car washes, real estate, short-term rentals to hit financial freedom. So I'm curious, what was your trigger point that was the exodus away from focusing purely on the financial? I think we all have these like great goals. We want to achieve these material targets, whatever they are. And, and a lot of us have, we want financial freedom. We've got a number in mind. Maybe if we're in real estate, maybe it's a certain number of units, maybe it's certain net worth. And I think we get, we believe that when we hit that, we're going to be happy. Like our, our problems are going to magically go away, right? All those things that plague us on a day-to-day -day basis, we just imagine that, hey, I don't have to deal with that anymore. And what you learn, and, and I'm not alone in this because I, I've had a 
a lot of friends that experience the same thing. But when you hit that peak of the mountain, a lot of times it's a letdown, right? You expect everything to change. And there's, there's a quote out there, something to the effect of the only Zen you find at the top of the mountain is what you bring with you. And when, mm. in hindsight, I look back and I say, what was really rewarding were some of the more fulfilling experiences I had along the way to get there. And if I were to go back and advise people that were trying to achieve wealth, success, hit their dreams, I'd say, it's the journey, not the destination. So make sure that you're not making too many sacrifices in things that are really valuable to you, like your health, your relationships, and look for fulfillment on a day-to-day basis. You could still make money. You could still go after it. You can still work hard, but find the joy day to day in what you're doing. Find the fulfillment. See that. See the beauty that's around you, and, and try to stay present. And don't just always live for the future. Mm. That is difficult, yeah. <laughs> and you hear about it being difficult until you you do it. So I think the greatest blessing and curse in life is getting everything you ever wanted. Because once you get everything you ever wanted, then you realize that, hey, you're capable. So that's the positive of it. But then the negative of it is, oh, this isn't making me feel how I wanted to feel. Why is this not happening? Because like you said, we followed each other's journeys. And the same thing happened with me is I, I reached these mountaintops and the mountaintop moments of life. And they weren't, they didn't provide what I wanted them to provide. And we just have these expectations we pull out of thin air. So it's curious. I've got this, I've got this idea that I've been tinkering with, and I want you to riff on it. And it's that action is great. And that's what we preach. But I think that the missing element and the goals that people are setting is they're lacking a mission. They're lacking a purpose a vision. Can you riff on that? Because even if somebody's using multifamily or using business as their strategy to hit XYZ end destination, the person with the mission is going to go further than the person that's just doing it for that $5,000, $10,000 a month of passive income. Can you riff on that? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. We can, you can get yourself out of the gate. You can be motivated initially by purely financial success. People do that all the time, but as when any entrepreneur knows things get hard, you know, over time, if you're going to sustain, you need to feel some kind of purpose. Right. And so I think that a lot of times purpose is there and we just don't step back and look at it and think about it and really embrace it. Because I don't care what you do day to day, no matter what the job is, there's usually a purpose there. Even if you're washing dishes in a restaurant, like you're an integral part of that machine and people are coming in, they're getting an escape from their lives. They're sitting down and they're having a peaceful dinner. Can't do that without clean dishes, right? You have to think about what you're doing and how it makes a difference and makes makes life better for people. And that's going to drive you and that's going to make you feel good at the end of the day. And if you have more purpose, like with real estate, I was totally motivated by money. I, I wanted to be financially free. I was really struggling financially when I first started in real estate. And I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to make money. I'm going to make a difference for myself, my family. I'm going to improve my quality of life. I'm going to have all these great experiences. But after a couple of years of that, of real, it's hard. You get, you get smacked in the face a few times and all of a sudden, if it's purely money, it's just not worth it anymore. But you have to think about, hey, I'm provided, for instance, for me, I started to take a lot of pride in the differences I made in the community by fixing properties up. The safe like homes that I would provide for people, clean places for them to live, the jobs I was creating, 
These are the things that can help you when times get tough and motivate you and make you feel good about what you're doing. And also just achieving those small challenges on a day-to-day basis. Hey, I got through another day. I got, I had a setback and I overcame it again. Those are the things that can provide you with fulfillment. Like you're, you, if all you're thinking about is dollars, it only gets you so far. Naval Ravikant has a wonderful quote on this that says, let's get everyone rich so that they can see that's not the answer to happiness. Let's get everyone rich first so that you can see, because you're not going to know until that point. People may be listening to this and they may be thinking, they won't say it out loud, but they may be thinking, must be nice, Brian. You've made it. You've got some money in the bank. You've got some commas and zeros in the bank account. What about me? I'm in the hunt. I'm grinding and I'm trying to do this for my family. I'm working a soul suck job, 80 hours a week. I got to get out of this. I got to do my own thing. And I'm in the middle of the hunt, what we call it in Go Abundance. What's some advice that you can give to that person that's in the hunt right now where they don't have the economic means to not only do the thing, but do the thing in such a way that doesn't sacrifice their humanity along the journey? Yeah, I I don't have any issues with someone being in the hunt. I was in the hunt. You were in the hunt. That's great. Like To me, the difference is how you choose to view it and how you choose to embrace life on a day-to-day basis. You could be in the hunt. You could be making sacrifices. You could be working hard, but you can also take joy in that process along the way. It's totally within your control to do that. So it's all a matter of how do you look at things? What's your attitude on a day-to-day basis? Are you someone who's kind to people along the way and lifting others up around you while you grind? Are you driving people away and putting them down? You can find fulfillment and still work hard. And so I think that's what people miss. They think it's black and white, like it's either one or the other. I'm going to grind, I'm in the hunt, and everything else gets thrown to the wayside. And you hear a lot of people pushing that narrative where they say, hey, you got to take you got to take a decade and you've got to sacrifice everything else for success. And I don't think that's true. I think you can grind and you can still find purpose and meaning and do good things along the way. And I think that if you don't, that's when you're really setting yourself for up for a letdown because you're, you think you're saving all those, that way of life. And until you get all that, you climb that mountain, but that's not how it works. So. Yeah. And that's been a huge, because the reason I'm able to speak on these things is because the perspective from guys like you and a lot of the guys that we roll with and people that we're friends with mutually, we, how many guys do we know that are worth hundred million dollars plus that sacrifice their twenties and thirties to get there? Because it's, that's what it takes to get that eight figure, nine figure. It's what it takes. You have to sacrifice. You have to put things to the wayside sometimes. And I was looking at them and even they've said it themselves. Wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth it. They're like, if I could go back, I would have changed how I parented. I would have changed how I was a husband or a wife. So we've got Brian. Go on. Oh, I I was going to say, I think think you do make sacrifices. But the thing is, you need to be intentional about which sacrifices you're making. Some things are unrecoverable. Some things are not going to allow you to sleep well at night. Some things you're going to look back on with regret. You can make sacrifices. You just need to be intentional about which ones you're making. And I think that's something that I encourage people to be like, approach it with awareness and think about with complete awareness, this is what I'm sacrificing. Is it worth it? Like consciously make that decision. If you don't make that decision deliberately, things just fall by the wayside. And then you're accidentally losing things you can't get back that you're going to have regrets for. Have you heard about the juggling act by Gary Keller? 
Yeah. Where he talks about all the different balls in the air and some are made of rubber, some are made of glass and the ones of glass are your integrity, your faith, your family and it, mm-hmm. friendships. And if you drop those, they'll shatter. But if you drop work and you drop some of these other balls that are rubber and they're going to bounce back, it's exactly what you're saying. So yep. take me to Brian Murray. who's wheeling and dealing it, crushing it, if you will, in, in real estate. And you're going about your life. Where's the pivot? Because it's, it's good mm-hmm. enough. It's 75 degrees of comfort. You are doing great. And that's sometimes the most difficult position to make a change in is when everything is good enough. Yeah. So what was the catalyst for you to start asking these questions about the other meanings of life? I think there, there's no one thing, right? So there's a lot of little things started to add up over time. I had a lot of experiences. I paid some pretty hard dues along the way. And in retrospect, I would do things differently. I had a shift where instead of consuming business and real estate material, books, podcasts, everything, it shifted more to personal development. And from that, a lot of interest in spirituality, a lot of you know interest in just being the better person, giving back, helping others, things that were became a higher priority. <clears throat> probably, probably one of the biggest pivots came last year when I went on my trek to Mount Everest. And what was wonderful about that trip is I, I was gone for three weeks and it was a chance to completely unplug, pull myself out of my day-to-day routines. And that gave me this chance to reflect on my life, uh, almost like someone else, like looking from above or the outside and give me a, a new perspective. And on top of that, being in Nepal Along that trek, we were stopping at monasteries and we were up in the, we were up in the Himalayas. It's just the most beautiful place I'd ever been. Very spiritual. And I was with a great group of companions and we had a lot of very meaningful discussions. And I began to really look at where I was and where I was going. And I realized I needed to make changes. I realized that I, I it'd take me too long to learn a lot of lessons that were important in life. And one of the biggest regrets I had was, thinking about how as a parent, I I was figuring things out a little late. My kids are young adults. My youngest child is a senior in high school and I have three others who are older. And I was like, wow, I wish some of the things I know now I had known earlier and had been able to teach them when they were growing up. And I realized on that trip that, hey, if these are, if I have life lessons that I've learned that were hard, it's not too late to share them. And I made a decision on that track to write my book. And the idea was write a book of the most valuable life lessons I've learned and write it to my kids. And I actually didn't plan to publish it. It was going to be just to them. And when I got back from Nepal, I started making changes and I started writing that book. And for the next year, I worked on that book and I captured stories from my business experiences, what I'd done wrong, what I would do differently, and advice I have for someone who's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and things that I really wish someone had shared with me a little sooner because I made so many mistakes. And as I worked on that project and dedicated myself to that project, I had friends coming up to me going, this is really cool what you're doing. Is there any chance? I know you, I know it's for them, but is there any chance you consider sharing it with me? Because I really feel like I could take something away from that. And 
initially I rebuffed those requests and I was really uncomfortable because there's a lot of personal stories. There's a lot of things in there that are not particularly flattering, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was ridiculous to be afraid of being vulnerable in that way when the stuff that's in there could really help people. And so once the draft manuscript was done, I made a decision I was going to publish it. And so that's how the book came about is actually part of that shift. And it really changed that trip, changed my perspective. I I think I was on a path and what happened was that trip accelerated it. And Mm. when I came back, it was probably two or three months after that. I still remember I, I got a, I got a text from my executive assistant and he was updating my real estate schedule. And he was like, he sent me a text. He's, Hey, just so you know, the value of your real estate portfolio hit a billion dollars this month. And I, my, my response, I I was like, I didn't even know what to do with that. I was like, it didn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. I texted him back and I was like, huh? That was my response. Huh? And I was like, how did that happen? And that's it. And I had, I took no joy from it right around that time. I also surpassed actually 10,000 units at that time. Uh, I think I'm up to 13,000 now. And what I began to realize is these numbers just, they meant nothing to me anymore. It's just some arbitrary number. I have and have had enough wealth to be financially free for a decade. And it just had become a numbers game and it ceased to be meaningful to me. And I took my, I took my company that I founded Washington Street Properties and that I grew that company for 15 years. And then I I just decided to put it into a trust for the benefit of my loved ones and charities. And now I actually don't even own that company that I poured my heart and soul into. And my my descendants will benefit from that. And and so will different not-for-profits. But to me, that was a significant thing in terms of like, it helped me to stop defining myself by real estate and by my company that I had built and allowed me to really focus more on uh, things that were more important to me. <clears throat> There's a quote that I really that's the work works on you more than you work on it. And that can be applied towards real estate, towards business, or towards the personal development work that you are doing on this journey. I want to let you riff on that. What do you think about that quote? The work works on you more than you work on it. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think that it's a cautionary quote. Like, I, I really think that you need to be careful. And there's a lot of lessons in my book. One of them that I shared was something that happened to me in my early to mid 30s, which was after I'd been in business school, I, I worked initially as a management consultant. And then I went to an internet startup and I was there for five years. I, I became a vice president there and it was a high growth. It was a, when the, the internet was exploding. And that I was in a, it, it turned out to be a very toxic environment and I was all in. I was trying, I got stock options. I felt like this was my chance. I was going to make a lot of money, very focused on external rewards. And that, that was a period of time in my life where hundred hour work, hundred hour work weeks were the norm. And yep. they, yeah, we had snacks and junk food everywhere and we had kegs on tap in the office and it was just like, it was a crazy time. And five years into that gig, I weighed 50 pounds more than I do today. And I had chest pains one day and I got rushed to the hospital and they ran a bunch of tests and the doctor 
came back and talked to me and he's like, you're going to be okay. Then he was like, for now. And he was like, but if you don't make some changes, you're going to be dead before you're 40. And I was just like, holy crap. Like I've got, I had two little kids at home and I just looked at myself. I didn't even recognize myself anymore. I, I it, the work worked on me. It changed who I was and not in a good way. Changed my health, changed my physical appearance, changed my personality and how I treated people around me. It was a very Machiavellian kind of environment. It was very cutthroat. And I just was like, damn, like I just have gone off the, like a, gone off the rails here. And mm -hmm. I ended up having to quit that job. And it was a little while after that, I started to teach. And when I couldn't pay the bills by teaching, I started investing in real estate. And that's how I got into real estate. Yeah. So you, you've lived a couple of different lives, man. <laughs> so I remember you were even hiking up Everest with uh, Mike Posner too. So you guys had a little relationship there. So that was interesting to watch as well. So let's go into some of these lessons from the book. It's called Welcome to My Garden. And so you, like you said, you wrote this as life lessons that you wanted to pass on to your children. And now we're going to let it lo loose for the rest of society. So thank you for that. So now you're speaking to those people. You're speaking to those people in their 20s and 30s that are listening to this and maybe don't have exposure like you and I do to people that are uber wealthy so that they can see that it's not completely all the answer. So what's some of these lessons that we can impart upon them today? And of course, we'll save some for the book, but which yeah. everyone will get. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of the lessons are very in alignment with your message on this podcast and the direction that people want to go. I And I just shared one of the stories. I go into more depth into that story within the book. And it's just so easy to get caught up in, in that rat race and define your goals around the environment that you're in and let your work shape you. And the price you pay is a dangerous one. And I shared that. We all, I also have a chapter on delayed gratification, which is a super tricky subject and very difficult for people to navigate who don't have the experience. And I dig into that pretty deeply and have examples of delayed gratification. <clears throat> and in, Can we riff in, on that? Let's riff on delayed gratification versus enjoying the journey because it seems those to be, seems those are contradictory concepts to a degree. Absolutely. And there's, there are a lot of paradoxes in delayed gratification. But I, I also think that for people to think that enjoying the moment, it cannot align with delayed gratification is a false dichotomy, right? I, I do think the two are possible and I go into how you can approach that. So I gave up a lot of things when I built my business. I, I, I had fortunately, by the time I got into real estate, I had learned from some of my prior mistakes and I got some things right. I didn't get everything right. And I share some mistakes I made in my real estate journey as well. But having made mistakes in the corporate world, I knew I was very on guard for certain things. So I didn't let my health slip. Like I always made sure that I had time to make sure I took care of myself. And the thing, the kind of things I gave up, for instance, I was extremely frugal. Like I, even once I started making money in real estate, I got a reputation for being very, I actually had a mastermind, somebody who interviewed me, labeled me. They said, You're, you are the king of delayed gratification because 10 years into making money in real estate, I was still driving an old pickup truck and I, I lived very modestly and I was hanging out with, with 
people who were at my level in real estate who were buying Ferraris and going in a different direction. And yet I had some of the most enjoyable family vacations. I had wonderful times with my kids. I think back to the kind of activities I would do with them. Things like going out to catch frogs or lightning bugs or going to the local beach or all these other things that I did with them that were so much fun. They didn't cost me any money. Did I sacrifice my happiness at that time? I don't think so. So I look at it a different way. But I worked damn hard and I would get up and I would do the work before the kids got up. I would do work after the kids went to bed. I always made sure I was home for dinner. I always made sure I read to the kids before I put them to bed. Things there, There's a lot of things that I did that even though I worked incredibly hard and I made sacrifices, I did it with some intention because I had screwed it up in the past. And I, I think back, I remember it was right around that time that I stopped drinking. I realized that I was spending a lot of money on alcohol. I was, I was not, I didn't have a good relationship with it. It wasn't helping me. It wasn't serving my purpose. That's a sacrifice that I made was not a bad one. I haven't had a drink since then. So I, I think you can make sacrifices and they don't have to be bad ones. You can give things up for your future to build your wealth, to build your security, to be financially free. And you can still, as long as you go about it deliberately, you can pick and choose the things that make your life better and that you don't have to be miserable along the way. I love that, man. And the way that I do that is I look, I do, I run an inventory and maybe that's something that people should do is run an inventory on actually what purchases drive happiness for them. Because for me, it's not really anything materialistic. So I'm not a things person. I don't really... It's a running joke. Don't break into my apartment, please, people. But a lot of the times I just leave my apartment unlocked <laughs> because it's a running joke. Where I'm like, what are you going to take? Are you going to take my TV? And I'm at the top floor of the apartment. So I'm like, honestly, at that point, I just deserve it. If somebody goes up to the top floor of the apartment and steals all my stuff... Okay. But for me, it's really travel. Travel is just, it lights my candle, man. I will spend money on nice hotels, nice Airbnbs and traveling. I freaking love it. But everything else I really could give a shit about. I don't really like it. And so it's been a funny dichotomy for me to implement literally what you're talking about because it's a it's an internal struggle because sometimes there's a guilt associated because you're wired what gets you here is not going to take you there. And you're wired to say, okay, let me hold on to this, save all the money, save all the money, save all the money. But then you get that perspective where it's just like, hey, you're spending your 20s and 30s to become a multimillionaire, but every multimillionaire in their 40s would give it all up to be in their 20s and 30s again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, okay, take the trips. I, I do what's called the 10-year rule. If yeah. there's something that I'm going to remember in 10 years, I do it. I just yeah. pay the money. I do it. And then if it's something I'm not going to remember in 10 years, I don't do it. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing too, right? So when you travel, you say, that lights my fire. Like that gets Oh, yeah. Me. So are you going to be a better entrepreneur and accomplish more when your fire's lit and you're feeling that fire or when you're not, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. So you, you think about a lot of times, like if you deprive yourself of things that you're passionate about and things that really light you up, that's going to affect your work. It's going to affect your attitude. It's going to affect how you treat people. And you're not going to be a pleasant person to be around. So again, it really boils down to what's great about what you just shared is 
you're making a conscious decision. You're not just letting it just happen. You're not just like going on a going on a trip with no thought to it and then just feeling mm-hmm. a crap about it. Like you're actually thinking it all through. And so that's one of the biggest lessons for people is do it deliberately. Every everything you give up, you really should be thinking about it. It's what is your return? Like you're almost like your ROI on what you're doing. What are you what are you sacrificing? Because if you're not happy and you're not feeling purpose and you're not feeling driven, you're not going to go anywhere fast. So even mm-hmm. if you give everything up. So it, it that's another kind of lesson that I learned is take care of yourself, take care of all those parts of your life that are important and you're going to be a better business person. You're going to end up being more wealthy. Other people are going to want to help you more. Like karma's real, be good, help others along the way. All these things can make you sleep at night and feel good about it. And when you finally do get your financial freedom and you do achieve that, you're going to feel good about it. And that's the goal, right? We don't want to give up too much. That's so you don't want, you don't want to get there and be like, damn, it just wasn't worth it. All those things I gave up. A lot of times that happened because people just don't take a pause and think about deliberately, what am I willing to give up to achieve my dreams? And is it worth it? Is it a price I'm willing to pay? And if the answer is yes, go ahead and give them up, but don't let it just happen without giving it a second thought, which 95% of the people who dive into their goals, they don't even think about it. They just give it up and then they don't even go through that equation. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great thought exercise of what do I need to give up? Another add on to that is what parts of me need to die in order for me to achieve this goal. And that's a lot of the times people aren't thinking about it in this context. A lot, a big one, what relationships need to die? What relationships need to go in order for you to become this new version of you to hit this goal? And to speak on your delayed gratification, it, it's interesting because I just sold a couple of co-living properties that on paper made zero sense to sell. They had excellent interest rates and they were still cash flowing. I sold them because for me, I've got a baby business and to operate this business I wanted to do so from a place of light, from a place of purpose to where I never had any type of can't make payroll this month. Let's bring this person in. And so I sold those properties because the equity position was so good. So we talked about ROI, ROE, return on equity, and then also ROE, return on energy, return on effort. And my ROE was just non-existent with those. I was like, this isn't worth it for me. So I sold those. And now I've got the cash position to operate my business like, like you, where I'm just like, now I can operate it from a really strong place where I can make just light decisions. It's not coming from a place of, let me make sure that the bills are paid. Let me make sure that my team is paid. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. a good example of delayed gratification also along the journey because that was like six years in the works. For Absolutely. That. Absolutely. And I completely agree, like knowing what to let go of, super important. Pete, like the people piece is super important. I think what, unfortunately, what tends to happen when it's not made consciously, for instance, let's say you're in a, you're in a close relationship with someone and you're starting your, you're starting your side hustle, you're starting your business and it's super demanding. A natural thing might be to cut back on your time with that relationship, like the effort that you're putting into that relationship. Meanwhile, and, and you don't even think about it, but that just seems like the easy give, Right. But the truth is, maybe you're spending time playing video games. Maybe you're on social media for an hour and a half every day, like consuming mm-hmm. 
stuff that's of no value. Maybe you're streaming Netflix for an hour every night and maybe your partner, your spouse is there with you, but that's not really quality time. So what are you, what are you going to give up? You've got all these industries fighting for your time. You've got all these addictive things in your life that maybe you're adding zero value that you just don't even let yourself entertain giving up. But that's, those are the kind of sacrifices. If you want to make sacrifices, if you're saying, I, I don't have enough time to, to start my new business. I don't have enough time to do this. I, I'm going to have to give up my relationship. I'm going to have to give up practicing my faith or I'm going to have to give up my exercise regimen. Don't give up your exercise, right? Don't give up your walks. Give up your, your streaming Netflix or give up something mm-hmm. else like that and make the right choices. So make the sacrifices, but just make the right ones. Mm-hmm. So just, it all goes back to intentionality. I love yeah. it. So if we had another one or two major lessons to take from the book that you would give to the audience so that they can apply it in their lives and their businesses today, leave them hungry for more. What yeah. are some other, what are some other lessons that we can give them? There's a lot, of, there's a lot in the book on mindset and, how, and the power of mindset. I use my my running journey and my ultra running for a lot of examples in there. There's a ton of parallels with running and life and business specifically. I have a chapter on discomfort and leaning into things that are uncomfortable for you. Doing that, every single thing that I've accomplished in my life that's meaningful has required me to get uncomfortable in some way. And so I reached a point, it took me a while to figure this out because when we start off, a lot of us are just like, our goal is to avoid discomfort. Like when I was a college student and I was struggling financially and I was working jobs that I just felt miserable at the time. And I had a lot of, I worked multiple jobs throughout college, put myself through college. And some of them were, I worked selling hot dogs in a stadium. I worked loading UPS trucks. I worked washing dishes in a cafeteria, all kinds of jobs. And all I could think about was someday, like if I get a good enough job or if I get enough money, I could just lounge around and do nothing. Like I could be super comfortable and I don't have to do anything. And and like that, like in hindsight, that was ignorant, right? That was, (laughs) the truth is if you find yourself in that situation where you're lounging around doing absolutely nothing and and never getting uncomfortable, you're going to get super unhealthy. You're going to be bored. You're not going to grow and you're going to be, you're going to be miserable. That's the reality of it. And so over time, and it took me a long time to figure this out, but now I purposefully put myself in situations to make myself uncomfortable because that's how I grow. That's how I, that's how I retain. My, I'm more energetic by doing that. I'm more, I'm happier. I'm more fulfilled by facing challenges and overcoming them. And I have enough wealth that if I want to be comfortable, I don't have to do anything like that, but I purposefully seek it out. And when things, I notice things make me uncomfortable, I actually lean into them. And I started to recognize that in all areas of life, like spotting those things that make you uncomfortable is like a, it's almost like a sign that you need to pay attention to. You need to look at it and go, I wonder what's going on there. Do I need to go in that direction? Can you give some examples? It can almost be like a waypoint. A simple, like in the business world, like a simple one would be I, in early on in my career, I, I avoided anything that had to do with public speaking or getting like anything that would direct attention to myself. Like I, I didn't, I was way uncomfortable with that. Didn't want to do it. What I realized over time is that was a super valuable skill. And it was one that I could perfect if I was willing to overcome that and start doing it. And so I leaned into that. 
I got coaching on it. And eventually, I actually rose up to the point that I was a company spokesperson for the company I was at. And I was, I ended up speaking on like network television and different things like that. I became, eventually became a professor and I had to get up in front of auditoriums of people. And you know, I even had to walk across a stage in my 20s. I, I would be scared to death. Like I, I just would, I wouldn't be able to speak at all. But today I can get up on a stage in front of 2000 people and I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. Like I can get up and speak. I can get on a, a media interview and it's like second nature. I don't even think about it anymore because it was something because I faced it and I kept doing it again and again until I got comfortable with it. And now it's a super valuable skill that comes in handy all the time. I can motivate people. I can deliver my messages and I can have a bigger impact on, and I can do that through speaking and my writing. That's just one example. In, in like right now, I do a lot in my physical fitness. I go out and challenge myself to longer and longer distances. I live in the mountains now. I go up and I run. I go, I'll just randomly go out and I'll run for four hours, five hours up in the mountains. And I don't always, it doesn't always feel very good. It's like super challenging. But when I'm done, I always feel fulfilled, keeps me fit and it keeps me in, in good health. So. I've got a good, I've got a good one for you that you probably won't expect that I just did asking for help. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, yeah, that's a muscle that I just need to do for my book launch. I realized how uncomfortable it made me feel. I wanted to stab my eyeballs out with pens doing it because it's just like you give and you give, and then you feel like a pest for asking for anything in return. And you're just like, Oh, I'm annoying this person. And like a lot of them are people that you respect. I even ask you for help as well. And it's just, and I noticed how uncomfortable it made me. So then I forced myself to do it 5,000 times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I same, did. I'm the same way. Like I've struggled with that. What I think has helped me is recognizing that when someone asks me for help, a lot of times, now it depends on what it is, but a lot of times, yeah. it, especially if it's someone that I care about or, or I, I, I hold in high regard, I'm grateful when they ask for help. Like yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to help them because then I feel good about doing it. And I never mind when people ask, but yeah, I have to say no a lot, but it never bothers me. And so I feel like when you don't ask for help, you take away a chance for someone to feel good about themselves for doing something good for others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I just shared that quote on the podcast the other day and I was just uh -huh. like, that's what got me through it. My aunt told me that same quote. And she goes, oh, so you're just going to deny everyone else their joy of giving. I was, like, I was like, oh, okay, I got it. So in, in closing, what's maybe one more lesson that if you like the one lesson that you could distill from everything that you think that would be the most important if you're talking to that three-year-old version of Brian Murray right now, that's wheeling, dealing, trying to get out. I don't know if there's just one, but there's some that, that people in their 20s tend to not think about. I have a chapter in the book on spirituality that I think is really important. I have a book, a chapter on mindfulness. Again, like these mindfulness, spirituality, these are things that earlier in life, people don't think about a lot, but which could be extremely beneficial in their lives. I also have a, a chapter on the impacts of childhood and the importance of digging into that and really understanding who influenced you in your childhood and, and what impact it had, how much of the decisions you make and how you conduct yourself, how you handle relationships, 
how much you trust other people, like how much of this stuff was influenced by your childhood. And I, I feel like it's extremely important for people to peel that onion back a little bit and be very self-aware about uh, why are you doing what you're doing and make sure that the reason to do that is you want to live a life that's true to yourself. You don't want to live a life that is to satisfy uh, whatever influences framed it for you as a child. Right? Mm-hmm. So in, in our formative years, doesn't matter who was around us, but the, you get influenced by a lot of different attitudes, a lot of different people, a lot of different behaviors that can change you and shift you away from things that are not aligned with your true self. And so if you want to be happy, then you want to do things the right way and you want to live a fulfilling life, you have to know who you are as a person. And so you know, I, I waited way too long to do that self-examination. But if you want to like self-actualize and be the best person you can be and pursue dreams that are aligned with who you are so that it feels right and you feel good about it, you have to think about all those influences that were around you and make sure you understand that how they affected you and, and make sure you're living life true to yourself. Some deep stuff, but like super important. And I think the more experience you get and the older you get, you start to look back and realize that these are things that you shouldn't wait till your fifties or your sixties to figure it out. Like it's the earlier you can tackle those things, the better off and the happier you're going to be. hundred percent. So where can people find this book? When is it out and where can people find out more about you? Yeah. So the book is called welcome to my garden. A father's gift of reflections, life lessons, and advice. And you can find Welcome to My Garden on Amazon. Should be out by the time this podcast airs. I'm expecting it to be released the week of December 18th. And if you want to reach me, probably the best way to do that is through social media. I'm not the most active person on social media, but I do check my messages routinely on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at crushingitbrian. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Anybody that wants to, you're welcome to follow me there or reach out, drop me a, a DM through one of those platforms. Perfect. Man, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. And everybody go get the book. Brian, thank you, sir, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Really honored to be on and so great to catch up with you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And with that, it's been Brian and Brian with the Action Academy Podcast signing off. <laughs>